Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm glad to see another day and glad to be here, to be, to actually be here for you to listen to me. Sorry, I almost got choked up on my words. Today is June 25th, 2019. I cannot believe that we're almost finished with this month. Wow, how fast it goes, right? And really, actually, summer is just literally beginning. But we have had three days of bad weather here in Atlanta I'm telling y'all whether it's bipolar. I mean, I lived here all my life, so I know for a fact that it it actually is. I mean, it went from 90 degrees to hell. Like, wow. I mean, it's really been up and down, but I'm, hopefully everybody's able to make their flight. I think it was like Dallas, Texas, uh, more over in that region, more down south from me. Um, it was a lot of weather cancellations, but I'm hoping everybody can make it out today and safe, safe travels to everyone out there because it's very dangerous. And we already know the planes can't go out um, in that bad weather. I know people like to have their fuss about it, but at the same time, we got to make sure that you're protected, right? You don't want to end up in the turbulence and the plane go down. Now somebody got to crawl over you. So let's save all that drama and be happy. It's a reason for everything. But anyhow, with me, it's a reason to have this show because someone out here might be going through something, trials and tribulations. You need answers. So that's why I always have this show because somebody always has answers to your situation. And if you're listening to the replay, please make sure you're sharing with your family, your friends. Share it. Service value, value service. But with me today um, is a special guest. I'm going to give a little bit of intro on her because I just want to give you a little detail before we actually get into it, and then we're going to let her follow on through. Um, it reads like a novel, work of a film or a TV miniseries, but Athena Demetrio's memoir is no work of fiction. Walking Between Worlds, a spiritual odyssey has been compared to Jeanette Walls, The Glass Castle, and The Shack by William P. Young. It's authentic, unfiltered, and compelling. Growing up in abject poverty in a dysfunctional alcoholic environment, terrorized by a border who lives in a root cellar, Demetrios repressed her traumatic memory, thrusting her into a downward spiral of melancholy and despair. Transcendence and healing would come through, revealing, reliving the terror of her past through hypnotic regression. A powerful spiritual experience opened doors into other dimensions, which began an odyssey where truth became stranger than fiction. This is a tale of past life vision, spiritual guide, and communication beyond death. Traveling with her down the rabbit holes of a life lived in relentless pursuit of truth will bring you along with the author into the radiant light of self-discovery, knowing, and being at peace with all that is. So without further ado, I'd like to bring Athena on. Athena, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate the uh, opportunity always looking to uh, 
be of service, and hopefully my journey can help inspire others who are struggling with similar experiences. So it's a joy. So thank you so much. And uh, FYI, I loved your music (laughs) while I was waiting to go on to the air. Made me almost want to get up and dance. (laughs) It was fabulous. (laughs) Thank you. So with that, yeah, it was great. So with that, I I will uh, turn it back to you for any questions. Oh, yes. I was going to say, uh, when I first first sent up my show, it was difficult at first because I was like, what intro am I going to have with this show? Because I was researching. I was like, I don't want to just keep coming on and and just start talking. I need an intro. So it took took a good minute to get that that intro in. no, I, I I really enjoyed it. I was uh, just sitting here in my chair rocking out. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Thanks, to Athena. Athena, you you yeah. have had a journey, and like I like like I have told people on here, this show is for anyone who's going through the same thing. Somebody out there is going through something. Sometimes you don't have the answers to everything, but listening to other people's story can help you to overcome your trials and tribulations. So I, I just want to really just start by asking, Athena, what made you want to write this book, Walking Between Worlds? Okay. Well, I was told years ago, years ago, that I needed to write my life journey. And it was a real challenge because of the experiences in my life, and even at the point of beginning to write it, there were more to unfold. I've had uh, this life, which I call it's kind of like uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride at Disneyland, but I also say it's been my journey back to God. It really has. And all of these experiences now, as a woman of 72, I turned 72, very grateful that I can look back and I can feel so deeply grateful that I went through these. I never thought I'd be able to say that for a long time, but that I went through these because it really led me uh, back to God. And also, I also felt in my heart and the deepest part of my soul that I went through these for a reason. And if that reason was to help inspire other people, then so be it. That was wonderful. Because sometimes I do feel that our greatest challenges in life or the experiences where we, you know, walk through some fire can eventually become honed as our greatest gift to give others. And so I feel as if at this stage in my life I've settled into that space. So that was the reason for writing the book the challenge was the fear and I think this is very common for a writer but the fear of being judged as strange as weird but I eventually got to a place where I owned that I I was in a mall in Los Angeles I'll never forget this part of this I put in the intro in my book walking between worlds the other part I didn't because it sounded a little like I was sensationalizing something, but I'd like to touch base on it. But a complete stranger came up to me, 
unbeknownst to me, she was a clairvoyant and a seer, quite well known. And she shook a finger in my face, and she said, your life may very well become a film or a miniseries, and you need to be writing. You could be helping millions of women. And when she said that to me, I I just reflected on, okay, how would I feel if I died tomorrow and I didn't write the book? And I thought I would feel as if I just backed out and fear got the upper hand. So I just said, to hell with it. And it was just like popping a cork, and it just flowed. So that was why I wrote the book. It was a 20, 25, 30-year process. But I'm very um, pleased with it, and so that's where it is now. Oh, awesome. And, I mean, look at the look at the journey. I mean, everybody has to find their own situation and relationship with God. That's one of my things. Uh, my mentor and upline of my company that I'm in always mentions, you can go through this, but you can't go through it alone. And that's the first thing that came out your mouth, God, was the first thing. I mean, we can't go through this journey on our own, so you, you have to realize that. But, you know, in your book, Walking Between Worlds, you describe a childhood lived in object poverty. How do you think that affected you in your adult life, and does it affect your life today? Well, it affected me. Just to give you a, a backstory on what I uh, grew up in, my father came over from Greece. He came over from the old country. Looking back now, I, I really feel like he was uh, pretty illiterate because he didn't understand. He, he couldn't really read our language and he could, you know, English. And, you know, he spoke in very broken uh, English. And he had a he had a brother that was a, a Greek shipping, he was a shipping tycoon. And Aristotle Onassis came over and bought out my, my uh, Uncle Gus. So my father inherited money that would be up worth in the millions. But he was a compulsive gambler. And so he gambled the money away. He also uh, was an alcoholic, and he was, you know, he was a showman. He would light cigars with $100 bills. And my mom found him burning stocks and bonds one time because he thought they were useless pieces of paper. And I was born on the heels of them losing all of that wealth. I'm one of seven children, middle child. And when... He lost everything, and my mother began to drink because she could simply couldn't cope. It was overwhelming to her. And so my father left, and I always feel like it was kind of the shame and the uh, creditors that would drive him out of town. But my mother took in a boarder, and he lived in the root cellar like a troll in our basement. And I was repeatedly raped, very violently raped, over a period of about a year. And I repressed those memories as a child would, because what are you going to do with something like that? You do what you have to do for survival. And it did certainly affect me through my uh, teenage years, uh, definitely did. I was not able to really let people get close. And that, of course, again, is very understandable, Because as I grew into maturity, and let me just 
say that I did have a daughter out of wedlock when I was uh, 17, and I was not spiritually conscious. I didn't believe in God. I thought God had to be a real creep to let this happen to me. Right. Uh, But having said that, I had one specifically clear memory where I remembered everything up to a certain point right when the rape was about to begin again because it it happened several several times it was then everything would go to snow it would just be like turning a you know your television on and all of a sudden it becomes white the screen goes white so I had no memory except this one specifically clear memory and then when I uh, hit in my well I was probably 31 32 then everything in my life flipped upside down. I'd become a workaholic. I worked for Revlon at the time, became an absolute workaholic. And again, and I had a series of relationships that were basically, they were they were very destructive. You know, my relationships were self-destructive. I never turned to alcoholism or whatever. Probably there was a healthy fear that kept me from that, I think, looking back now, because I don't think I could have survived it. But I was also very suicidal, very melancholy, absolutely didn't understand the source of any of it. When I was 32, I had a spiritual experience in which everything in my life flipped upside down. And I had three events that transpired within it was uh, about 24 hours, and it literally brought me to my knees. And my daughter was around 12 or 13 at that time, and she didn't want to be with me anymore. And I knew that if I didn't tell her the truth and if I didn't find the strength to be really honest with her, that she would wind up like me, cold, detached, and a workaholic. And so that moment really literally brought me to my knees, and I remember the prayer. It was, I don't know if you're out there, and I don't know if you exist, but you have to be every word that comes out of my mouth and help me reach my daughter. Because if life hurts this bad, the cause has to lie within me. That was the defining moment. The cause has to be within me. And at that moment, I had two visions. One was I saw this pool of really dark, filthy, sludgy, muddy-looking, it was like flood. And then the other was as soon as I said, oh, my God, I understand, what I understood was that everything that I put out into the world, the way that I pushed people away, had to come back to me in a like experience. It was the only way I was going to learn the cause of what I was doing and the effect it had on the rest of life, the cause and the effect. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. What you sow, so you shall reap. And I understood that in one moment without ever having studied anything spiritual. And the moment I said, oh, my God, I understand, that sludgy vision turned crystal and clear. It was just beautiful. And then at that exact moment, then there was a golden ray that came into my front room and dusted everything with gold. Everything in my front room was dusted with gold. I did not understand what was happening, 
I felt that I was entering into another world. None of it was making any sense. But suffice it to say, that defining moment was looking back one of the greatest, it was the greatest blessing in my life because everything transformed from that moment on. And I was given, shortly after, I was uh, given three books that literally changed my life. And it was uh, by the Ascended Master, St. Germain. And the first one was called The uh, Original Unveiled Mysteries. The second was The Magic Presence. And the third was the I A M I M Discourses by St. Germain. And when I opened that first book up and read that, I just broke down and cried like a baby because it was everything I felt in my heart, but I could never find outwardly. So that was that was kind of the backstory on that. And from that moment on, everything absolutely changed. And FYI, I have a wonderful relationship with my daughter now. But I also began tapping into these other realms, and these doorways started to open up. It wasn't that I went out and sought them out. They just became a natural evolution, I would say, uh, for whatever reason. Part of my growth, it seemed like every one of those experiences held within it some form of healing for me. And that's a little of the backstory on that. I appreciate you for that backstory. Open our eyes to see how far you have come along this journey. That's a lot. And like you mentioned before, thank to God that you didn't become an alcoholic. A lot of people try to cure themselves by doing that, but but just the thought alone to become suicidal. I mean that that's that's a lot, Athena. That really is. And and somebody like I said is out here. They're going through that struggle right now. And losing hope. So I'm glad that you're here to tell us. What would you actually recommend to people who suspect they were abused as children but don't have clear memories of it? Okay. Well, yes. And and again, you know, I so appreciate this opportunity because the kind of platform that you're creating is really wonderful for people to be able to reach out and perhaps touch another soul that is listening and I have no doubt that things happen for a reason. I'm not one to believe in chance or accident. I think there's divine order for everything. What I did do for myself, and this is important because I would also uh, maybe suggest that uh, perhaps if your uh, listening audience uh, wants to grab a piece of paper and a pencil, there's a few exercises that I would love to share with them that may be of immediate help for them now. So having said that, um, I did decide to go back and work with a therapist, a very qualified therapist. And this isn't something that you just turn over to anybody. But I do believe that if someone, whether you have experienced verbal abuse, physical abuse, if you have experienced a sexual abuse, You know, and there's so many of us in that uh, Me Too movement. And if it is starting to tug at you, then it's tugging at you for a reason uh, to come forward uh, to be healed. 
And I always believe that it's timing, that if you're feeling that nudge, then that's the part of you that is strong, that is capable. I believe that the part of every one of us that is good and kind, loving, caring, that has uh, the, the courage or perseverance, I believe that's the master within. That's God within you. And the fear, the lack, the limitation, the judgment, the anger, that's all human-created stuff that we just create through our free will. But look at who you really are. Look how bright that light shines within you. And know that that light is going to carry you through. That is the light of God that absolutely just doesn't fail. But it takes a willingness, I believe, and a desire to want more out of life. And I always knew that life was not meant to be lived with a lot of pain. Innately, there was part of me that knew that. However, I was not awake to any of these higher laws of the universe. I really wasn't. But I, I always felt there, that uh, there was something. But I just, I, I couldn't identify it with, with anger or fear or great judgment. It just felt to me like it was, if there was anything, it had to be love. And so I sought out this uh, therapist. And we used, for me, this isn't for everybody, but this was for me, we used hypnosis because my defenses were so strong. But we went back and I was able to revisit those traumas. And I always say, if you've survived, you're here now. And you can go back and look at that, but get a qualified therapist because you need someone that's qualified to help you navigate through that storm because one of the things that I learned was that my whole life I'd been shoving down shoving down shoving down so I wouldn't have to acknowledge the discomfort within myself and I also became one of those who kept a great focus on healing other people making you feel better what can i do to you know make you feel better but what i also came to understand that my attention on other people's pain was a way of keeping my attention off of my own inner turmoil and that was a great insight that was a great insight not to say it's not uh, something to be compassionate and caring and absolutely it is but, you know, if there was a bird with a broken wing, I was right there. And <clears throat> so I understand that differently now. So going back and having done that kind of work, what I would like to say to any uh, listener for myself, and I cannot speak for other people, just my own journey, I began to understand that I was viewing life from all of the perceptions and defined life from the experiences of a child. And I always say it was like wearing a piece of glasses and smearing butter over the lens because everything became distorted. You can't trust people. You can't let them close. You're going to get hurt. See what I mean? And I understood that as a child, but when I became an adult, it didn't work. And it doesn't work if you want any kind of intimacy. And so that was uh, what I, 
that that was the avenue that I chose. And when one goes through that process, I'm not going to lie to somebody and say, you're not going to hurt. It doesn't come in a download. It really comes in allowing yourself to go back, look at that with a qualified therapist. Again, very qualified. If you're married, don't exclude your husband. He needs to be be part of the process. You're not protecting kids. They'll absorb sometimes your fear uh, and, and the way you see the world. They'll uh, absorb that through almost like osmosis, I believe. I, I do believe there's truth in that. But if you're going to heal, you desire to heal, then do it because you want more out of life for yourself. And everyone else will benefit from that. Life can be so different. I wake up, and I am so grateful to be alive. And it's, you know, my mantra is, you know, here I am, life to be lived. And that's what I say, you know, good morning, world. Here I am, life to be lived. And I feel that authentically. I feel that. So if you have experienced the trauma and you're going to explore that, then no, yeah, you're going to cry. You're, you're going to cry if you're going to do some real good work. You're going to cry. But guess what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to overtake you. You're going to feel lighter the next day because you're releasing some of that that you've held down. So just kind of expect that. You're going to walk through that to, to heal. But I always say, you know, go take a nice hot bath, eat yourself some chocolate, go rent some good videos and lay in bed the next day. And then you're going to feel lighter. It doesn't come all at once. It's a process. Allow yourself to feel the thunder and the lightning. You'll move in to the grieving. You'll move into some rage. You'll move into some grieving, some sadness, some loss, some acceptance, and then forgiveness. And not everybody gets there, but I have been able to cross that bridge. So. How were you able to find forgiveness, Athena? Because you're right, everybody cannot get there. That's that's a hard barrier for some to actually sit here and say, I have to forgive my abuser. Well, yeah, well, first of all, remove the word have to and remove the word should. Okay. okay? All, all right. Okay. You don't have to. You, you you know, and I'm not I'm uh, I'm not speaking to you. I'm just like speaking to whoever is listening. Just remove that from your vocabulary, or that I should. What I discovered for myself, okay. And let me just say something. It was only in the last month, the last it's about a month ago, that I truly forgave. The abuser. That was a month ago. So that it's it's a journey, and it takes whatever it takes. But for me to say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you with my head, but I'm not forgiving you with my heart. So that doesn't count. It's just, to me, it was an empty word. So I, that also tied in for me, it tied into a victimhood because there was a period and a long period where I just wanted to stand on a mountaintop and shout, I'm a victim of abuse, I'm a victim of, of, of rapes and 
and I, I felt that way. So here's the thing. If you're going to feel like a victim, do a good job at it so that you own it and it doesn't own you because it just feels awful when when you know when when uh, uh, it's owning you it felt that way for me but the point of freedom for me and again I'm not speaking for other people but when I found myself reflecting on something and I thought okay what would my life be like if I didn't have this experience to lean on and for me, I began to realize that for me, and again, no one else, I'm speaking for me, it was almost like a crutch of sorts uh, because I came to the awareness that I could not blame my life or my unwillingness to engage life on him, on my, my childhood, because there were some good things, of course, in my childhood, too. But I couldn't blame it on him, on my mother, or circumstances. Not as an adult and having done that work. So the biggest moment for me was when I let go of victimhood and I crossed that bridge. And that was, yeah, and I'm going to tell you, you know, it was scary. Because it felt like there wasn't this kind of support out there, you know, to, uh, uh, to to lean on in a sense. But, oh, my God, the freedom that came from that was overwhelming in such a wonderful way. And the other part of the equation was, and then again, in, in my book, Walking Between Worlds, The Spiritual Odyssey, I had an experience that, and I'm going to backtrack here because I, I think it's important. I had an experience once my therapist put me under. I went to an in-between life. I went to my life right before I was born. And I was surrounded by all of these masters and these teachers. And they were showing me almost like on this big film strip where I was going to be going. They were showing me this family that I was going to be part of this family. And they were also showing me there was going to be some situations that were going to be very difficult and very trying. But what they were really showing me was how I could change in this life, how I could change. They were showing me what might be, and I'm going to say let's bold the word might, and then they were showing me what could be, and let's bold the word could. And that's what they were showing me. That's what I gleaned from that. And then, let's say you are looking at uh, downtown, okay, and perhaps, you know, whatever city that you're in, but let's say 10 miles down there you see these high-rises, and that's what it was like when they rolled out this big film strip, and I would see these almost like these big cement blockages just rise and become formed, and I knew in that state of awareness that that was a big growth experience. I knew that was going to be a big growth experience. And then beyond that, let's say there was another 10, 15 miles, and then another one would rise up, but that mileage in between was a resting period where my soul could rest, where I could 
maybe absorb the other experience by osmosis or reflection and be able to say, you know what, I was glad I went through that because look how it helped me grow. And so I was able to see that way. One thing that I do want to touch base on here was that everything that in in that state of awareness was like, let's say you're in the state of uh, uh, Georgia there. Let's say that my awareness, my feeling of love and safety was as large as the United States of America. I can't even begin to explain how conscious and how loving and how aware that state was. Then, if I was in your studio with you, and let's say I pulled on your forearm and I pulled on and gave it a good yank there, I felt that tug psychically, and I knew that it was time for me to go. And he said, where where are you going? I said, it's time for me to be born, to go into the womb of my mother. And then it felt like coming from that dimension into almost like icy, black, cold mud. That's what it felt like. And then my soul became very restricted. And once in my mother, I could feel her despair at being pregnant again. I could feel, you know, the, the and I felt uh, still or sick from the um, alcohol. So all of that, very, very detailed in the book, and all of that in the book is taken from the actual uh, transcribed uh, tapes from our session. So that's all in there, my journey. Now, once again, uh, once into, you know, this this embodiment uh, here, then that Mm -hmm. was also where I reflected back on my mother, and this is important here because when my mom died, and my mother was not a bad person at all. She always opened up her home to kids that needed a place to stay, even though our poverty was horrific. It was horrific. I mean, one time we were burning shoes and leaves to stay warm. And it was just so much poverty. And, you know, bless her heart, she always tried to find a sense of dignity in that and I know that when she had died because there was a period where I felt so angry that she wasn't taking responsibility for anything any part of it why and and I think and I think that's unusual to uh, you know for for the childhood rapes or for allowing that perpetrator in and I don't think that's unusual for people women men who've to have those feelings, right? I don't think that's unusual. And I think that's another doorway that one crosses through. But what did happen, and I did, you know, in all honesty, I felt a sense of relief when at her passing. And then I started, my feelings started to shift. And then I began thinking about her. And I began thinking about what that was like before I incarnated. And that feeling of safety and love and awareness and how she must have felt at feeling, I know, like she had missed the mark. And that just broke my heart. It just broke my heart. And so, you know, I uh, I truly forgave my mom uh, from my heart and went, you know, went to her grave and and, uh, 
And then I've had some wonderful experiences with my mom as a medium since she has passed on. But uh, anyway, and here's a wonderful word. I, I forgive. Backwards means give for. Give for those incapable of giving. Forgive. Give for. Isn't that beautiful? I think that's incredible. It really is. And and the fact that you came to terms to understand her better, did that did the understanding come better when you had your own child? Well, no, it didn't become better when I had my own child because this was a journey that um, I did not begin to work through with my uh, a child when I, you know, when I, I had her by any means because I still had all those repressed memories. I had not had that spiritual experience, which I call getting hit on top of the head with a cosmic hammer. But it was after I went back and did that healing that certainly um, I would say if there's a reflection, I think as parents, and especially when we start moving into our 50s, our 60s, and look back, you know, and you see what what perhaps your parents uh, experienced or perhaps the support maybe that they didn't have, or maybe there's just another level of compassion and awareness for maybe what your journey has softened you into and looking back in retrospect. And I'm able to say now, could I have done any better? Could I have really done any better? Could I have raised seven kids on minimum wage? Uh, Could I have done any better? See, I don't know with that. But I know that now my relationship uh, with my mother is really quite quite wonderful, yeah. Um, because I'll also, I see spirit as a medium. You know, as a um, I help spirits cross over, and this has just all been part of my my journey back home. And so my and I became a channel for a wonderful 19th century spiritualist. So I work with people all the time. I do private sessions with him, and he's been a big part wow. of my healing big part of my healing and does yeah and dr people that's his name and he was one of the ones who literally encouraged me to go back he was the one who encouraged me to write about my growth in life and he was also the one who said you know you're teachers and i know you're strong enough to look at this and to go back so i did because i wanted to i wanted to live life differently well it's it's not been because you channel a spiritual guide from Dr. James Peebles. Um, how does it really feel to you, Athena, when he comes through? Are you conscious of him talking through you, or do you lose your own consciousness? Well, I, you know, I always explain this because the greatest portion of my sessions are done by uh, on phone. I record them and, and send them to the clients because, you, you know, he doesn't – no one has to be in the same room with me at all because he can access all that. He's very strong on past lives with people uh, through me. Now, having said that, right now when I'm talking to you, it's like my presence here 
is somewhat filling up my house, okay? When Dr. Peebles comes through, it's kind of like I go hang out in the laundry room and shut the door or the closet in the back of the house and shut the door. And he's a very loving presence. He's very uh, compassionate. He's very wise. He was a 19th century spiritualist. And uh, he also states that's where he knew me in my past life as a medium. And there's all this documentation of us working together. I mean, there's actual physical documentation of my life with him. And so there was kind of an agreement that was made before. It's kind of like you hear a knock on the door, you know, that says, hey, remember you made this agreement or this commitment, and would you still like to keep that? And so I chose to keep it. And so I uh, studied with a wonderful uh, teacher for years. I always believe we're students in in, uh, life and light, for sure. And and then it takes lots of practice, lots of repetition, because it's also about letting go of control. And it's not that they come in and take over and, uh, you know, uh, possess and all of that. Not at all. It is like if I was channeling you, you have a very distinct personality. So my job would be to allow that energy to come through and reflect also through me. So I always say it's kind of like um, learning to dance with another person and letting them take the lead. And, you know, the more you know them and uh, trust them, so when somebody, if somebody goes to dip you the first time you're dancing with them, you know, if I don't, if I don't know you, I'm going to hang on to your back to make sure you pull me back up, right? But the more that you begin that beautiful dance with them, well, they dip you. I always trust, you know, he's pulling me back up. Very, very uh, loving, very supportive. He's known for his wisdom. So I can hear, I know that there's communication coming through. I can hear that. But what's really interesting is like many times if an individual is having let's say it's a stumbling block or they're having difficulty with the same uh, same experience or the reaction is the same over and over again. We all have those. That's usually tied to a past life. And what happens is, you know, when they, and he's very, very strong on that. So I do get to witness the past lives. It's like being in a movie theater and then watching somebody's, lifetime that's prevalent to whatever the stumbling block in this life whatever that lifetime is comes up it's almost like comes up out of the black on a screen in a movie theater and i see you know what era and and what they're doing and what the situation and the dynamics are i do hold full memory of that but the communication that is coming through is like being in a very very deep daydream for me and uh and and he's very full he's uh he's a very full presence and he has three i always love these he has three principles that are his spiritual umbrella the first one is loving allowance for all things to be in their own time and place starting with yourself the second one is increased 
communication with all life, starting with yourself, and the third is self-responsibility for your life as a creative adventure. For never in your soul are you the victim. You're always the creator. So Dr. Peoples' joy is to help inspire people to communicate with one another, to really hear, you know, another one, to hear hear somebody else uh, speak, because a lot of times we like to turn a deaf ear, we get uh, defensive or interrupt or whatever, and he's always about hearing what they are saying, because he says all life wants to be heard. All life wants to be heard. And when you don't invite someone else to have that feedback, even though it can be critical at times, you know, he said that they feel as if they don't have value. And so, you know, their experiences in life are bringing them to a complete different point of view, perhaps, than yours. But it's to see value in that point of view. So he's very big on that. So he works with people on that. And then, you know, he works, uh, or with my clients, he works with them in a very personal way. Usually when I get the um, email, and they can contact me certainly through my site, or I get the uh, uh, call, you know, for a, a session with the doc, as I call them, it's usually people are at a point of a lot of transition. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of prayer going on. And sometimes they feel as if they're in the black hole. But this is what's cool. When we feel sometimes like we're absolutely the biggest failures in the world, you know, sometimes they're over there congratulating us because we're allowing ourselves to move into something that is going to help empower us. Like he says, the black hole, from their point of view, is the point of creation. It's beginning anew. So that's a good way to look at it. And something that I would like to share with, the audience, if I may take another moment here and share with yes, them. Go ahead. Is, is that okay? Yeah, I, okay. So, yes, it sure is. Um, okay, great. So what he, what he does is, you know, there's a couple exercises that uh, he gives uh, people, and one mm-hmm. of them here, which I think is, is so great, is to write, let's say you've gone through a horrific breakup, your heart is broken, you can't stop crying, you feel like the biggest victim in the world, right? Okay, so take a tablet and write on that, how has this experience served my soul? How has it served my soul and how has it helped me grow? And once you begin to write about that, then you're going to transform it because you're owning the experience. It's no longer owning you. So that's wonderful. Any anyone listening can do that, and you will have you'll have some results with that. Another thing, let's say you find yourself completely um, wondering why this person even came into your life, why you were attracted to them. Well, then he he will say, write perhaps a six to nine paragraphs, each paragraph containing an element, what attracted you to that person in the first place? What attracted you to them? And write perhaps uh, six, six or nine, and then identify after you do that, 
the gem in each paragraph. Identify that gem. Then take those six or nine gems and then write one long page or an essay on it. And then you're really going to transform it. And he also states not everybody's meant to, you know, people, sometimes the vibration of people change, you know, that one begins to look beyond the other, that, you know, that divorce isn't always bad because it promotes growth. So there's different ways to look at that. And so it's it's been a joy working with him and the way that uh, he helps, you know, he, he helps uh, people. And there's some very humorous uh, lives that, that come up. I just had one. I, I was uh, back east a few weeks ago and uh, in this group. Somebody wanted to know why their husband, and I thought this was so funny. <laughs> they told me afterwards. It just I thought this was so funny. But uh, uh, why their, their husband was uh, always stingy with the purse strings but then would become really generous <laughs> and give give her uh, money but then he'd pull the purse strings and fyi it's okay to to uh, uh tell this little story here so anyway in the past life i saw this lifetime because i get to you know hold that picture where she was not her family was not of means by any means and but she was very beautiful and she was uh, pretty sexy and you know she she knew it and so she flaunted it a little bit well he was a tax collector and let's just say she did a good number on him and so her family didn't have to pay taxes and her cousins didn't have to pay taxes <laughs> and he got canned and i i thought that was so hysterical but it really explained you know, why he, in this life, he takes, uh, you know, the money and he pulls the old purse strings on it and then he'll get generous and give her some. So usually that's, you know, that's a uh, somewhat of a, a humorous one. But then there's other ones that are so deeply uh, healing for people that really explain uh, what they're, sometimes they have a knee-jerk reaction to something and no matter how many times they try to, perhaps uh, work through it uh, theoretically they just don't get anywhere so past life regression with a good regressionist uh, is also a wonderful tool again not for everybody but it's a wonderful tool for those that are uh, wanting to explore something like that because it can bring forth a very deep healing and uh, I certainly had some of those in my book as well that uh I did that were also transcribed from tape, so those are in there. So, anyway, wow. he's, yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah, he's he's wow. you know he's that, that he's was, wonderful. I bet that was just, that was that was a mouthful. I said I bet that was a mouthful. <laughs> I I'm hoping somebody grabs all of that. I mean, this is a big this is a big leap, a big step, like you said. Um, it may not be for everybody. It's a it's a journey, of course it is. Um, but on this journey, you know, Athena, because you get spirits to appear to you when they need help and mm-hmm. crossing over. Um, uh-huh. Can you can you explain that farther for us? Sure, sure. 
Well, I believe this gift came into this lifetime from my lifetime as my my name then was Mary Longley. And I was a medium in the last life where I knew Dr. Peoples. That's why the first time I ever heard him on the radio, I just became absolutely electrified when I heard his voice. And and then shortly after that was when I had my first uh, 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 reading with him, like I do for people now. And anyway, when my when I was a teenager, my father had uh, died, and he appeared the night we had buried him. He appeared in my doorway in the bedroom. Now, I don't see spirit um, like a wispy apparition. I see them like Patrick Swayze and Ghost. Remember that movie with Demi Moore and Patrick I Swayze? And, I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I do, too. I kind of feel like Whoopi Goldberg. I think what was her name? She was Oda May or something like that, And yeah. where she was talking to him all the time. So, yeah, I loved her. And uh, so that that transpired uh, in, oh, that was 1966 when that happened. And then we're going to fast forward. Well, what that did do was that left me with the feeling I saw my father. We buried him, but I saw him. So there has to be a form of life after death. There has to be. So that was the one feeling that I carried with me uh, through the years there. Then after that spiritual awakening, then I did begin to see them, and they would appear to me when I needed or when they needed help in crossing over. And I remember being in the uh, south, and there was uh, I was driving by a uh, it was a, a graveyard. Somebody else was driving, and I remember seeing this woman, and she was pacing like crazy she was pacing about around her headstone just pacing pacing and so later that night I did a session with Dr. Peebles and had mentioned uh, this or had my friend mentioned to Dr. Peebles about that experience and he also sometimes he'll help them cross over so uh, what had uh, transpired was that he said that she had been such a rigid woman in life uh, that her rigidity, and she had been so rigid to her children, and looking back from that state of awareness, as I explained earlier, that in-between life, then she wanted to go back and live her life backwards as an opportunity to make it up to them. And, you know, he was saying that spirit is working with her and telling her she lived her life exactly as she had to for the insights that she had gained. So that was, you know, that was an interesting one. And then there was another time when I was uh, back trying to think of what state it was in. It was in the south, and there was a Confederate soldier standing by a, you know, a fence like a white picket fence, and it was so bizarre. Here's all this traffic going by. And before before I see spirit, there is always almost like an electrical current that flows through my body, and I always call it the doorbell ringing. And so I get this electrical current, turn my head, because I know I'm going to see spirit, 
And so there's this Confederate soldier standing there. So we whipped the car around, and then I I went up to him, and, you know, he still looked like he was in kind of a state of shock there. And I invoke... There's, I invoke Christ, I invoke those of the ascended masters and light and love to come take him uh, to the highest highest plane that he can go to for his soul, for the, the evolution of his soul. So they come and get him, and then he just gets enveloped in light and love, and then he leaves. It doesn't serve any of them to hang around down here. And then there was another time I worked in the film industry as a makeup artist for 30 years, and uh, we were filming at uh, a place that was called the Doheny Mansion in uh, Beverly Hills. And I thought it was so highly unusual that I had never shot there in all the years of working in the film industry. And normally there's grips and gaffers, and they're pulling the cables around and setting up those big massive lights. So it's very seldom that you're ever alone. I happen to wander out into the foyer, and there's this beautiful descending staircase. So I'm sitting there looking around and thinking how unusual it was that I had never filmed there before. And then all of a sudden, I get this electrical current. I turn my head to the left, and I see this man peering around this door frame. And he's saying to me, please help me. Now, I see spirit very, very physically. And so I got up, I looked around, no one was watching me or in, in the same room. So I got up and I said, okay. And I walked down and I walked through the room and into this beautiful library. And I knew instantly why he liked it there. And so I did what I know how to do. And, you know, he went in light and love. And it was interesting because uh, he had been murdered by his, I believe it was his wife, had murdered him. I think he had. Think I. The rumor, I, I guess, was that he had had an, uh, an affair with an, with a chauffeur or something. But anyway, I didn't know anything about him. I, I didn't. Uh, uh, all I knew it was the Doheny Mansion, and uh, so I have a friend who's an author, and she's a great researcher on um, Dr. Peebles. And so I called her, and she said, "Well, what do you look like?" And I said, "Well." He had short black hair. It was combed from over from the left. It was very short around the ears. Uh, he looked like he was in his early 30s. He was wearing a white shirt. You know, it had some blood on it. And uh, she said, did he have a beard? And I said, no beard, a little mustache. And Anyway, a couple hours later, she says, check your email. And good Lord, she found a picture of him. And But what was so bizarre was that he was peering around the door frame exactly as I saw him exactly and uh so anyway so you know that's kind of common for me that's the way my my uh, mediumship works and then sometimes if I'm out in public I'll get the current and you know there may be people that spirit wants to give a message to mainly that they're alive they just want them to know that they're alive. And of course, then the challenge is, you know, is to be very, very respectful and to never interrupt because I, I take a great uh, deal of um, caution with that and I'm very respectful of that, you know, of uh, someone else. But it's quite interesting. I've never given a message to somebody that wasn't really thrilled 
but you know that's when they'll they'll appear to me. You know, I um, one time I was I'm doing dead. a, I a session. <laughs> Pardon. I can see the door that someone. I was gonna say a thing. I can see the door that someone could actually have for you telling them that this what this person is actually thinking. Because when a person passes on, the only thought in your mind is they don't pass on. You're not gonna ever hear from them again. But to have somebody, a third party to that journey to give you that insight, hey, this person said they really loved you. They didn't get a chance to tell you before they left. That, 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 it makes me feel all warm inside because I would probably love, we're going to have to catch on those show. I would love to hear something from my father because I lost my father at seven, but we're definitely going to catch on those show. Athena, are there any other thoughts that you would like to share with our listening audience before we close out? Well, I just, you know, I just want to say, you know, to everybody that the earth is a school and it's a school of uh, relationships and uh, experiences and growth and expansion. And you're such beautiful lights. And, you know, that light is you know, the master within you, the presence of God, everything good and loving and kind, that's who you really are. And that your light is stronger and brighter than any shadow in your world. And whatever it is, you're strong enough to be able to, you know, confront that. And people can, uh, there's certainly more in the book. Again, it's Walking Between Worlds, A Spiritual Odyssey. And they can also contact me at I am, I am within.com. I am within.com. And bless your heart. I just hope you have a really wonderful, magical day. And thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And before I leave you, my listeners, and everyone else on the line, I just want to say this, the truth of the day, for my friend and, and who was a former guest, Mary Ellen Sitnovich. Failure is not an option. When you have too much time to think your mind will linger on your securities and failures, drop these feelings of inadequacy, replacing them with a determination to succeed, no matter how hard your journey becomes. Any person you see as a success has failed 100 times or more. I will repeat that again. Any person you see as a success has failed 100 times or more. The successful person learns from their mistakes and does not stay stuck denigrating themselves for their errors. They face challenges and go forward with enthusiasm as part of their road to success. Today, move ahead on your road to success confidently. Nor say it's not an option. Enjoy your day, everyone. I'll see you the next time on the Bright Side with Technisha. You know I always say, God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technisha. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 